We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. You are listening to the Tuesday, August 29th edition of Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Pat Corain on Twitter, at Pat Corain, and with me is Jacob Brickroad on Twitter, at Clutch Fantasy. Jake, how's it going? Good, Pat. Just one more weekend without f- real football. It's wow. Crazy. It's right around That's crazy. the corner. Yep. And uh, you're going to be in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, we will be in Vegas. Uh I'm going out to draft for uh, the FFPC main event. Uh, me and Pete Overzet, uh, host of Fantasyland, is we are going to be uh, co-owning a team for the second time, um, and so we're real excited about that. We're also going to have a live Fantasyland show. Um, so I don't know if you're setting me up for a plug here or not, but I'm going to take it because uh, we're going to be doing a Fantasyland episode live um, on the Thursday before uh the uh the, th- the thursday before the thursday night game um to to kick off the nfl season so if you're in vegas uh even if you're not doing the ffpc you can um i forget exactly what the entry is but it's it's pretty cheap if you want to uh come and see the show um and the you know the viewing party for the game so um planet i definitely hollywood. encourage anyone who's around at the planet hollywood that's probably an important detail right yeah uh yeah um but 
yeah, so Jake, I guess some some sad news with that is I was uh, excited to see you out there because you've been going out there for years and years, but unfortunately this year won't be one of them. I have so a work obligation, and uh, no one wants to hear me cry on <laughs> Rotoviz Radio, so we'll, I will be joining you, but uh, I, I will be there in spirit and definitely going to check it out, man. Uh, I, I know there's some special guests. I'm sure you'll be talking to some high-stakes people that I'm very familiar with and uh, maybe a Matt Kelly appearance. Yeah, there might be a, a double Matt Kelly appearance. I'll kind of, I'll kind of tease it like that. It should be the a fantasy interesting... mansion, the podfather himself. <laughs> yeah. We, we have an interesting segment set up for Matt Kelly that will take advantage of his argumentative nature. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. But we have a great show for you here as well. Uh, we've got John Paulson of four for four.com. Uh, one of the most accurate rankers in the business. Uh, and I feel like this is a perfect week to get him on after the third preseason game with as much as much happened over the weekend, injuries and uh, just general craziness. So uh, we, we dive into all of that. And I feel like he, uh, you know, he's one of the perfect guys to listen to right before you're getting ready for drafts. And, you know, this is this is the week when drafts are really going down for all the all the redraft leagues out there. So definitely, uh, you know, a ton of really great stuff from john in this episode yeah john's one of the best and i think we gave him some pretty good questions and he kind of revealed his process on things um something i i want to talk about i i brought this up on twitter you know I, i looked at the last five years for top 12 scoring wide receiver and most years that guy's doing two 260 points that's been the wide receiver 12 um there's been two years where it was 237 and i i made the comment that if someone is projecting a wide receiver one, you know, a top 12 wide receiver to have less than 237, they're probably too conservative, right? Because, you know, the last five years historically. And then Mike Clay jumped in and gave, gave his take and, uh, you know, talk about one of the best in the business. So we kind of pick John's brain about that and just um, how, you know, he uses uh, historical stats like that um, or not for his process of, of projecting. And he's obviously one of the most accurate around. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was definitely an interesting part of it. Um, to hear how these guys, you know, create these projections that are just consistently so accurate. So, uh, cool to hear kind of some process information as well, just beyond just kind of the, uh, the targets for this year, which we, we get into as well. But, you know, you're talking about historical stats, Jake. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about one of your articles, which uh, we may have buried the lead here. I mean, you were published on Rotor World since the last time we talked. So, uh, you know, congratulations. And everyone check out Jake's article on uh, on Rotor World called Chasing the Top 24 Wide Receivers. Uh, yeah. Really great stuff here. Really lucky. I, I don't know how it happened, but uh, it, it ended up there. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. it it's it kind happened because it's an awesome article. Well, I've been I've been writing it for years on Rotoviz and um, yeah. put a new spin on it, and uh, the, the kind of the gist of it is just uh, laying out the uh, PPR finishes by year of all the receivers, and you know lining those up and seeing what kind of trends there are, and it's incredibly sticky. The top twenty four is, and I break it down by year, and um, you know you can get more details in the article, but basically eighty percent of the top twelve. Um, performances come from the same receivers so there was 62 receivers since 2000 they had three or more top 24 years and uh, my premise is you find those guys that have had one 
two top 24 years and you draft as many as you can. And uh, a lot of them are going to end up in the top 24, you know, three, 18 out of 24 uh, end up in the top 24 almost every single year. It's, it's, it's pretty wild how, like I said, how sticky that is. Even when we know this is a weekly game and things happen, there's a lot of variables, but yet the same wide receivers continue to get it done. Um, and I listed some of the newbies from last year. There was, you know, five wide receivers that hit the top 24 for the first time. And then a few that missed, you know, the Allen Robinsons and Jordan Matthews. And you know, it's funny how some, some names from the past show up. Kendall Wright had a top 24 season and, you know, it's been a few years, but he's in the right position now after the Cameron Meredith injury to, to maybe jump back in. So this, these top 24 wide receivers just, just have a way of getting back in there. Yeah. And I love the, the takeaways you have at the end of the, the article. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that there, these guys tend to repeat there's 45, um, active wide receivers listed in the grid. And then 29, uh, of the receivers have had two or more top 24 seasons. So there's, there's lots of guys, lots of targets, uh, that you can get out of reading this article. Um, so I would highly recommend, uh, you know, everyone going to Roto world and checking this thing out. Um, to be honest, the easiest way I found it was just Googling, uh, Roto world, Jacob Rick road. And it's the, the second article to come up after your article that you had published over the summer there on, uh, dynasty hit rates. So dynasty rookie pick hit rates. So, uh, you know, the awesome stuff, but great to see you back on uh Roto world again. Thanks man. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And hopefully, um, this helps some people out in their drafts, you know, with fingers crossed that it keeps rolling. And I think it will. Awesome, man. Well, um, one little, one little thing I wanted to get into you here, uh, before we get to John, you know, you're not going to be able to make it to Vegas, but, uh, I, uh, I wanted to make sure that you know, and that our listeners know that if you are thinking about putting some money down on a game, even if you're not able to get out to Vegas, then you should use, uh, our sponsor for this week and, uh, for the weeks to come here, uh, my bookie. Um, so Jake, have you been thinking about putting anything down? I, I know you're mostly a fantasy guy, but are you, uh, have any no absolutely yeah. i mean i i every year i put money down when i when i go to the my high stakes draft and i'm not going to be able to do it so i'm gonna have to jump on my bookie yeah and uh i guess you know we're not just kind of picking my bookie out of the blue here um they do 100 percent cash bonuses so uh you know this is the reason to use them because you put your deposit in and they match it with a 100 percent bonus so you're making money right off the bat uh as long as you use our promo code roto radio uh, or OTO radio to activate the offer. Uh, that's mybookie.ag uh, is the site. Uh, they have in-game betting, live betting, uh, all new mobile site. Jake, have you done any live betting? That's one thing. Um, the in-game live betting. I'm actually really interested in, in trying some of that out this year on mybookie. Oh, I I definitely plan on it. Uh, what, what's the address, Kim? Mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag. So uh, definitely. Go to my bookie, uh, put some money down. I mean, if, even if you put down, a, you know, a minimal deposit, then they'll they'll match it 100% um, with the offer code Roto Radio. Um, but yeah, for now, let's get to our guest, uh, John Paulson of 44.com uh, on Twitter at 444 underscore John. 
Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Hey, Rotovis fans, I want to take a minute to tell you about our friends at the FFPC, who are celebrating their 10th year as the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Over the last few years, the FFPC has become the go-to destination for serious dynasty players. They now have over 150 active dynasty leagues, and here's something incredible. Not a single dynasty league has folded in seven years. As if that's not enough, the FFPC has just launched the greatest format ever, Dynasty Draft Experts Leagues. They have all the best features of best ball, with optimized scoring, no lineup submissions, and no head-to-head playoffs, and they also have waivers and trading, as you'd expect in Dynasty. New startup Dynasty Draft Experts Leagues are forming now, with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $1,250 per team. The FFPC also features the world's greatest contest in season-long fantasy football. Come to the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino in Las Vegas this September, draft in the FFPC main event, and spend opening NFL weekend in Vegas with hundreds of diehards just like you. If you can't make it to Vegas, you can still draft online from the comfort of home and compete for the massive $250,000 dollar grand prize with over 1.7 million in total cash prizes don't miss the ffpc experience go to myffpc.com and register now that's myffpc.com join your fellow players today at the ffpc the home of season-long high stakes fantasy football please welcome to the show john paulson he's a uh, editor and owner over at four for four you can find him four for four.com you can follow him on twitter at four for four underscore john He's a co-host of the Most Accurate Podcast. John, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thrilled to have you. Uh, The timing of this, uh, you know, right before the season starts. And um, we just finished the dress rehearsal week three preseason games. So tell us what your biggest revelation from the preseason so far that's going to affect 2017 outside of all these crazy injuries. Well, I think, uh, you know, talking week three specifically, I was really encouraged to see that John Brown – uh, was able to score a couple touchdowns and, and gain 49 yards from scrimmage uh, after what had been a couple of rough weeks for him in terms of his uh, his quad injury. Uh, he's got that sickle cell trait, and uh, the way Bruce Arians was talking about him, it was almost like he wasn't counting on him for week one. And uh, it's nice to have him back in the fold and, and healthy enough to play. And I think he's a nice uh, uh, risk-reward pick there in the ninth, 10th round. His ADP slipped over the last few weeks. Uh, due to the injury, and it's nice to have him back. I think the other uh, thing I noticed from week three was that uh, Marquise Goodwin had that uh, had that long catch there for the 49ers, and uh, he, you know, with with Cal Shanahan there, that you know maybe he's the he's going to fill that Taylor Gabriel role. Uh, we don't have quite as good a quarterback situation, quite a good offense, but maybe maybe Goodwin's a, a minimum play in uh, DFS or or something like that. 
John, Jake mentioned the injuries, uh, you know, what were your takeaways excluding the injuries, but let's get into the injuries that we saw over the weekend because there were a bunch. Um, let's start with Spencer Ware. Uh, one of the biggest injuries of the preseason so far, he's out for the season now with a knee injury. Um, looking at your rankings uh, that take this into account, you now have Kareem Hunt up at running back 15. Hunt's been an exciting fit for Andy Reid's offense. I know Jake's been really excited about the fit. Hunt's been kind of an exciting prospect even before he was drafted as well. Um, do you think he has top 10 PPR running back upside in this offense? I do. Um, I mean, I have him at 15 in PPR. I have him at 12 in standard, so pretty similar. I have him ranked as a high, high-end high RB2. Um, if you just look at what Ware did uh, over the last 17 games where he's seen at least 10 carries, uh, 13 of those games happened in 2016. He averaged 17.9 touches for 99 yards, 0.59 touchdowns. Uh, that works out to 15.5 fantasy points per game in PPR, and that's top eight numbers in 2016. So I think if you're looking at Hunt as the, the bell cow now or the, the top back there, uh, he has that sort of upside if he sees that sort of workload. And uh, I think 18 touches or so are within reach for him. He might start off a little bit slower than that, and, and maybe they try to, to work in Chuck Hendrick West since he has experience or C.J. Spiller and some in some certain sets to, to try to take advantage of his speed. But I really think that uh, based on what they've been doing in the preseason, giving him a, an extended look with the starters against the Bengals, uh, with, the, with the way that uh, Andy Reid is talking about him as, as the feature back, uh, as the clear guy, um, I think you can uh, you know target him in the fourth round, feel really comfortable there. And, and I know uh, in the third round, some owners are looking at him, and I, I think it's a reasonable pick there as well. I forgot C.J. Spiller was still on that roster. Maybe he's a, a deep, deep sleeper candidate. <laughs> yeah, deep, deep. Deep, deep, deep. Um, let's go over to an, another one of the big injuries here. Cameron Meredith uh, also recently tore his ACL, probably other knee damage as well based on early reports. Um, my first reaction to the injury fantasy-wise was that it's probably a hit to the offense overall. Uh, he's, their, he's their top guy, but um, – does it at least raise Kevin Whitestock pretty considerably? Uh, I, I would say it raises it a bit. I mean, I wouldn't get too excited about him in the single-digit rounds. I mean, I think you could start looking at him in the uh, – I would look at him in the 11th, 12th round. Uh, you could maybe argue for the 10th round if you're uh, looking at him as the number one receiver there. Uh, Kendall Wright is going to uh, get some extra work. Uh, and Deontay uh, Thompson was uh, actually out-snapped Wright. Uh, after Meredith went down uh, in that game. So it, it could be that Wright is going to be the third guy, regardless uh, of whether or not Meredith is there, and he's not going to be there given the ACL injury. Uh, but it might be Thompson and White as the as the top two receivers and two, two wide receiver sets, and then Wright coming in on three wide receiver sets. But I think Wright will be more productive than Thompson, but uh, you know Thompson is a very, very deep sleeper if you're in like a 16-team, uh, 20-25 roster uh, type uh, type of a league. Uh, White has the draft stock, you know, draft capital, number seven pick, I believe, overall. Uh, they, they've targeted him a ton when he's uh, been healthy. He just hasn't uh, done very well with it, but it sounds like he's trending up uh, after that injury last year and seems to be getting back into form. I, we just don't know how good he is. So uh, Kendall Wright's on the team there too, and he actually had a top 24 season a few years ago. Um, is he worth a stab late in drafts? Yeah, I think uh, I moved him up uh, about as much as I moved up uh, uh, Kevin White. I think that they both get a bump and, uh, you know, maybe 
Wright sees an extra 20 or 30 targets now that he wasn't going to see with uh, Meredith in the fold. He certainly the, has the longest uh, track record, I, I guess, uh, unless you're counting Victor Cruz uh, there. But uh, Wright, uh, you know, kind of fell out of favor in Tennessee, uh, was freelancing on too many of his, his routes um, and kind of and left there uh, and landed with the Bears, who, who who sort of added a bunch of veteran receivers, hoping to shore up the position. And it looks like he's uh, risen uh, into the starting lineup or at least was going to play 70, 60, 70 percent of the snaps. Yeah, interesting situation over there. Um, another huge blow this weekend was uh, Julian Edelman done for the year. And, you know, his his value was kind of all over the map with uh, Brandon Cooks coming in. And one of the things I've noticed from the New England slot wide receiver going back to Welker is that this, this slot wide receiver counting Welker and Edelman hasn't finished outside the top 20 in PPR in over a decade. Um, the last time it did was uh, 2015, and Edelman av- av- actually averaged 19 points per game in nine games that year. So I think that the slot wide receiver is position is pretty important to New England, and there's talk that the running backs are going to cover that. Um, Amendola is never very good, you know. When I mean, they they gave him a huge con- huge contract, but he never really took over that role. And then you got this Chris Hogan guy, who uh, last year played. Um, most of his work outside, but in Buffalo, he was playing in the slot and looking at his stats, including the playoffs, he's, he's a pretty damn good receiver um, with Brady. He's got over 800 yards. If you count the playoffs and, and five touchdowns with Brady. So I saw that you have Hogan ranked at wide receiver 42 following the Edelman injury. How do you see new England filling those targets that Edelman would have received? Well, I think, there's a case to be made that Amendola will come in and play more, but I don't really buy it. I mean, he's going to he's going to get a little bit of a bump, uh, but I think most of the the playing time and the uh, targets is gonna, are going to go to to Hogan. I think he was an eighty percent, seventy nine point seven percent snap guy last year uh, as the number two receiver to to Edelman, and now that Edelman's out of the way, we have Cooks uh, as likely the the wide receiver one. So I, I think Hogan's playing time is going to stay consistent to last year. It's just taking a big jump from what we were expecting uh, with Edelman and Cooks both healthy. I think we were looking at, at Hogan as the third receiver, more of a, a deep threat, uh, versatile uh, receiver uh, that he is. I mean, he can run really any route. Uh, I think there were some stats floating around on Twitter where he uh, you know, did most of his damage in the slot in Buffalo. Uh, Edelman, I think, ran 50% of his snaps or thereabouts last year out of the out of the slot, so it wasn't like he was a hundred percent slot receiver. So I think you could pretty much do a one for one replacement with with Hogan and in for Edelman if you want, if the if the Patriots want to do that. I don't know that that'll be the case. I'm sure Malcolm Mitchell gets a bump, a bump. He gets some of uh, Hogan's snaps there as the maybe the third receiver, and then you bring in Amendola in certain situations as the as the pure slot receiver. But um, you know, I I have a lot of uh, good feelings about about Hogan there especially where you can get him in the ninth tenth eleventh round uh, given the uh, history of the uh, slot uh, position there that you mentioned that's a lot of upside if you're if you're getting maybe a top 20 top 25 guy even if he doesn't make that top 20 uh, you're getting him as the 42nd or, or later uh, receiver off the board I think that's real good value yeah, he jumps off the page for me, especially if Brady ends up throwing for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Is that about where you have him projected? Uh, I'm having him for a, a real close to a career year. Obviously, he had the 50-touchdown um, year a while back, but I have him for five above 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. I really didn't downgrade him much with losing Edelman um, because I think Hogan is, is just as good. 
you know, if we start to lose another receiver or if Gronk gets dinged up or, or something happens to Cooks, then you have to start to downgrade Brady, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I went back and looked at Brady's 2011 with last time he threw for 5,039 touchdowns. And Welker went crazy, 1,500 yards, 122 receptions. Gronk had 90, 1,300 yards, 17 touchdowns. And then Hernandez actually had 79 receptions, 910 yards, and seven touchdowns. So that third pass catcher was still borderline top 24. And if Hogan ends up being that guy, um, he could slide right in there. And Deion Branch actually had 90 targets that year, you know, 50 for 705. There should be a ton of value there. The big question is how much of that of those uh, targets go to the running backs, I guess. Yeah. James White should see a little bit of a bump here since some of these shorter routes might go to him. Uh, he was taking a little bit of a hit with the addition of cooks, uh, you know, with, with Edelman and Gronk still healthy, but I think he's, he's back to being a really nice ninth, 10th round uh, value in PPR formats. Yeah, for sure. So switching over to, to quarterback, you have a Marcus Mariota ranked top 10. Is that correct? Yes. I have him at number five, actually. That's um, I think that's pretty high compared to the rest of the industry. Can you discuss what kind of season we can expect from him? Well, what I like about Mariota uh, is a couple things. One, uh, if you look at his splits, I mean, he's missed some games due to injury, which has kind of caused his uh, season-long finishes to not be as uh, representative of how productive he is when he's healthy. So if you look at his 27 NFL games, he's averaged 17.7 fantasy points per game in standard formats. Um, that's about what Dak Prescott scored as the number six fantasy quarterback last year. Um, when you remove his six attempt passing or pass attempt game against the Patriots in his rookie year, uh, that average jumps up to 18.3 fantasy points. So the key for him is just to stay healthy. I think he's got uh, the ability to throw the ball. Uh, he can add points in the running game if the, if the passing game's not going great. And what I love about Mariota this year specifically is that they added Corey Davis, uh, fifth overall pick, uh, Eric Decker, uh, hugely productive, especially in the red zone. Uh, I think that that's a indicator that they're looking to open up the uh, the passing game a little bit and not being not being so run heavy and, and giving Mariota uh, more control over the offense. And I think that uh, really bodes well for his outlook. And, and and you can get Mariota in the eighth or ninth round, and that's a that's a real good value. Yeah, and I just want to kind of drill down on your, your quarterback philosophy for this season a little more. Um, is Mariota the guy you think you'll own the most of this year? And if not, what quarterback do you think you'll have the most of in your in your redraft leagues? And and what rounds are you uh, most targeting quarterbacks in this year? I have, I think I have an MFL 10s. I have Mariota in quite a few leagues. It's not every league because there's always, uh, not always, but there's sometimes a receiver uh, there that I like to take in the eighth round, and then he's not there in the ninth round, and I'm fine with that because I don't want to invest too much in a, in a guy who has been dinged up in his career. Uh, I think getting into the later rounds, I, I do, I do think that Matthew Stafford's a really good value given his track record. Um, five out of six, I think, in the, in the top ten, uh, five of the last six years. Uh, he's available in the 10th or 11th round. Uh, he's been very productive with uh, J- uh, Jim Bob Cooter uh, in the, as the offensive coordinator there in, in, uh, in, in Detroit. Uh, they're not throwing the ball as much, but his interceptions are way down. He's still getting the touchdowns, and he's also able to run a little bit, especially in the red zone. He'll run in for a score or two. Uh, so I like him in the 10th or 11th round. Uh, Andy Dalton, I've been getting quite a bit of in the 11th, 12th round. His splits with a healthy AJ Green are, are great. Uh, they're top 10, top eight. 
and uh, they added John Ross, obviously the the 4.22 speedster, uh, giving him a weapon uh, that can take the top off the defense. And, and on top of that, you have a healthy uh, Tyler or a relatively healthy Tyler Eifert at tight end, who's a red zone monster as well. So um, even if Dalton's not the most talented uh, quarterback you can get in fantasy at that point in the draft, it's uh, he's he's uh, part of a really productive offense with a lot of weapons to throw to. I think generally speaking, I'm late round quarterback like most uh, fantasy analysts. Um, uh, but there is, there are a couple situations where, you know, I might take a Brady in the fourth round if I'm just not, or third or fourth round, if I'm not excited about, uh, the options available there, it's just a weird part of the draft there in the third, where there's a drop off of talent at the running back and wide receiver positions. And, uh, it's hard to, to justify taking, uh, some of those guys over a, a player I think is going to throw for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Where would um, Andrew Luck have to get to you for, at this point for you to have to draft him 12, 13, even later? As soon as he asked that question, I, st- I heard Andrew Duck's name. I just started shaking my head. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, don't, uh, I, you know, with I don't like guys with injuries that are lingering. Or he's they're already injured, and you're just not sure they're going to even play uh, in week one or week two. And it, this is a, an ongoing shoulder issue with him. I just it, it would have to be like ninth, tenth round for me to get him, and I know he's not going to last that long because somebody's going to pull the trigger probably sixth, seventh, eighth round on him. I'd rather have Mariota uh, at this point because he's healthy, and I think he can be just as productive uh, when he's healthy. That's interesting. Yeah, I uh, I checked the fantasy football calculator ADP before I brought him up, and he's going in the ninth there now. And I, on your rankings, you have him 16th behind uh, Dalton, who you mentioned at 14th. So um, as, you, as you mentioned, you, know, you could get Dalton later on, 11th, 12th round. Um, luck still more expensive than you, you have him ranked after but uh, if he does fall a little bit more I, I feel like personally I'd be I'd be tempted on him in the double digit rounds well the other thing you could do with luck is is if you get him in the ninth let's say you get into the ninth round and there's just nobody there that you really want you could and you don't have a quarterback yet you could take luck and then maybe you draft a Carson Palmer um in the 13th or 14th round uh because he's he's got a really good opening schedule and if you're willing to platoon and take up two roster spots with with quarterbacks you could ride palmer for the first few weeks as long as uh, until luck is back and and healthy and and productive again for you because you know if you do get luck and he's he's his normal self for the last 10 games of the season that's a big advantage to get in the ninth round interesting is there anyone else who's jumped out to you like palmer for having that kind of early season uh you know easy slate in the beginning that you could ride those first couple of weeks if you are looking to, to basically platoon and or stream for the entire season yeah one one player that i've sort of warmed to over the last few weeks is sam bradford uh he he did better in the second half of the season after uh, pat Shermer took over as the offensive coordinator there and uh if you look at his opening schedule he's got the the saints in week one so that pretty much covers you for that we're first week without luck and then he's got at Pittsburgh, which isn't the worst matchup in the world. He's got Tampa Bay at home and then Detroit at home and then at Chicago. So even for the first five weeks, there's probably, you know, one or two uh, uh, matchups there that are a little bit daunting. Um, you're not going to get top five numbers out of him, but he could probably get you by with baseline uh, top 12, top 15 numbers during that stretch of the season. Interesting. Maybe maybe a, a sneaky case for Stefan Diggs to start the season as well then. Um Wanted to move over to the Browns, who have their starting quarterback named uh, Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, he's not necessarily all that interesting on his own, but I'm curious what you think about 
how Kaiser will affect the rest of the Cleveland offense, uh, both the running game and passing game. Um, did you adjust your rankings at all uh, for for the Browns when Kaiser was named? Did you kind of already have that uh, factored in there since Kaiser looked like he was going to be the starter? But I, I guess I'm just curious how you think Kaiser affects the offense versus you know Kessler or Osweiler. Well, when I originally did the uh, projections for the Browns, my assumption was Cody Kessler was going to be the starter with, you know, there's a chance that Kaiser was going to win that job given the, the draft capital that they used on him. Um, I didn't have Kessler, you know, throwing, you know, throwing the balls a ton or having being super productive with it. So uh, I didn't change the the projections too much for Kaiser coming in because he's a rookie quarterback and pretty unknown. Uh, the one thing I did do is increase their rushing yards because I do anticipate him, uh, you know, taking off and running more than Kessler did. And that uh, resulted in a little bit of, of a reduction in their, in their passing pass attempts. I've got them uh, projected for 6.7 yards per attempt and 17 passing touchdowns right now, which I, I think is a, a fairly fair, um, uh, projection for for Kaiser as a rookie with a with kind of a shaky uh, offense there in Cleveland. <clears throat> nice. Um, I do a lot of work on historical stats, and uh, one of the things I look for is trends. And uh, looking at the wide receiver position, so in 2016, four receivers had 298 PPR points or more. Six wide receivers accomplished that in 2015, and eight wide receivers had 295 points or more in 2014. Um, and I got in a discussion with Mike Clay about this because I see a lot of projections where they only have two wide receivers that are 300-plus point range. Uh, what's your take on this, and do you take historical stats like that into consideration when you do projections? I, I wouldn't take uh, numbers like that and say I need to have four or six uh, receivers over 300 points because this is what's happened over the last several years. The way we do our projections is we start um, – with team wins and historical trends with the team and then you you, you get to your uh, team projections together and then you start divvying that up based on historical trends amongst the number one receiver number two receiver number three receiver running backs etc and you end up with what, what you end up with and then I look at the rankings and I'm more looking at uh, is player a ahead of player B or you know who am I who am I going to actually draft when it when it comes down to the third round tenth pick and then I start to to adjust the projections a little bit for that, but uh, I wouldn't say I need to have an X number at this level or an X number or Y number at this level, uh, because it's really about getting to a point where I'm comfortable with each player's projection and then his ranking within his position, um, and uh, just having somebody at you know having a fourth or fifth receiver at 300 plus just to just to go with the historical trends doesn't really go in line with what we do at four for four. That's cool. I, I can totally respect that process. Um, do you think that some rankers hedge their bets so they, they go a little conservative just just because? Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, if a player has an outlandish season, uh, outlandish season and scores a bunch of touchdowns and it's, it's a real high rate for, for him historically or for the position, uh, I think you are expecting some regression. Um, and then I guess it depends on the, on the ranker whether or not uh, – you know, because I look at, I do look at on a league level, uh, total passing yards or total receiving yards, total touchdowns, all that, and I want to make sure that I'm somewhat in line with with that. Um, I don't want to have a necessarily a 10 or 15 percent jump in any of those numbers because that's not how uh, the league works. It goes up kind of slowly, 
um, year to year. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know if people are being conservative on purpose or if it's just the kind of the nature of the beast that you're like, okay, well, this guy, he, he doubled his touchdown rate, his career touchdown rate this year. I think we're expecting that to fall back to earth and maybe only falls back halfway um, when, when reality happens. And then a lot of times when you're talking about these maybe 300 point receivers, it's guys that you don't expect. Um, so it doesn't make sense to just rank uh, player A, B, C, and D all at 300 if you don't really believe that's what's going to happen. Gotcha. Um, ben Gretsch, one of our Road of His writers, uh, started a podcast last week, and he was talking about how the wide receiver three and four range in points was uh, increasing. Um, have you seen that at all? Is that something that's shown up in, in your data to where maybe the ball's getting distributed and some of the, the hiring guys are getting less targets because, you know, you have – wide receiver twos and threes becoming more viable? Well, I, I have noticed that uh, receivers, it's not that specific uh, fact, but I have noticed that the receiver position is super deep this year, and it's probably stemming from that. It's a, probably a symptom of what you're talking about. Um, that would all be taken into account during our projections process as I look at, at what the wide receiver two, wide receiver three for a particular team, uh, what, what market share they had uh, on their team and uh, in the last year, the last two years, and those, those would definitely trend up as well. And I think that's why uh, we have a, a position that's really uh, pretty deep this year. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, the NFL's ever evolving too. You get, uh, it, it just changes every five years, it seems like. So it, it, it's just be fascinating to see how this plays out going forward. But give us one player that you're very high on that, that may be contrarian from the rest of the industry. Well, I was looking at your question, and I came up with two. So the first one's uh, Darren Sproles. Uh, I, I just looked at his standard ADP, and he's not really uh, – doesn't get much buzz in standard, but uh, I have him ranked 34th. Uh, he's got an ADP of 50, 51 at his position. Uh, he's finished in the top 30. Uh, or he finished 30th last year in 2016 and has three top 35 seasons in the last four years. I think he's going to get quite a bit of work uh, in Philly there with LeGarrette Blunt not looking that great. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt's not very versatile as a receiver or anything like that. So I think Sproles might end up uh, playing the, the most snaps of any of those running backs in that uh, backfield, and that will boost his value a little bit in standard. He's not a guy you necessarily want to start, but he's a nice guy to have on the bench uh, who, who can, uh, you know, has a, has a chance of gaining 60 to 100 total yards and, and finding the end zone for you in any given week. The other guy is Tyrell Williams. Uh, I have him at 28 in standard. His ADP is at 41. Uh, I just really like his skill set. Uh, he did really well in uh, Matt Harmon's reception perception uh, study as a route runner. He was a lot better than uh, he gives. he's given credit for. He's got a huge catch radius. Uh, he was number 12 in standard last year, 18 in PPR as the Chargers' number number one receiver. And he's playing, again, uh, playing behind or playing alongside – uh, Keenan Allen, who isn't the most uh, durable uh, receiver. So if he goes down with another injury, suddenly you have a wide receiver one, wide receiver two there in Williams. And he led the, the team in targets inside the, the opponent 10-yard line, even with Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates there. He had eight targets uh, inside the 10. So I think he uh, might uh, score an extra few touchdowns this year. Awesome. Uh, another guy who, who you're high on is uh, Pierre Garçon. And uh, he's he's someone that you're high on. You've also been higher on him um uh, about 10 spots higher than the general consensus i feel like he's been a value pretty much the entire off season um what do you think drafters are overlooking with garcon yeah, i think when the off season started he was 41st or 42nd off the board after he signed with uh with the 49ers and you start looking at the situation 
uh, and this, the way they sort of left the situation there, they didn't draft a receiver real high, uh, so he doesn't have much competition in terms of, of targets. Uh, he was number 22 wide receiver in PPR last year, so he's, you know, that's 12, or actually that's more. It's it, He's the 34th receiver off the board, so that's 12 spots right there if he just matches what he did last year. Uh, he was 31st the year before, so there's some equity there as well. And he's just been a consistent uh, PPR for us for quite a while now. And now he's rejoining Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Uh, last time they were together in 2013, Garcon had 113 catches for 1,346 yards, five touchdowns. He was the number 11 PPR receiver that year. I don't know that he has, he's going to do that again, but if he plays 16 games and he gets, you know, 140, 150 targets, I think he could catch 90. 90 to 100 balls in his sleep and uh, really be a nice value there. I've been taking him in the sixth round in virtually every PPR draft that uh, I'm a part of. Yeah, and I guess the this will kind of be um, contingent on the 49ers not being just a wasteland offense. But, I mean, my feeling on it has been that, you know, with Shanahan there and Hoyer there, who's a professional quarterback, they won't be. Um, how big of a concern is it, do you think? You know, they were so bad last year. They really couldn't support anything in the passing game. Uh, except, you know, a few flexible weeks out of Jeremy Curley was really all you got. So uh, do you, is that a major concern, or is that, that, in my opinion, that's probably what's keeping his value too low. But but how worried are you about that? I'm not real concerned about the, the 49er offense. I think Kyle Shanahan is a big – will make a big difference there. Uh, Carson is better than uh, the, any of the receivers that they had there last year, and Hoyer should offer – decent quarterback play and then if you get into a a bad season where they go four and 12 or something like that they are going to have to throw the ball a lot because they're going to find themselves in negative game script and 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 you know i'd be more worried about it if garcon were like touchdown dependent um but he's not he's a he's a he's a catch yardage guy and uh in ppr i think that's golden i mean i don't need him to score more than three or four touchdowns really to be a starter at at, at, at in the sixth round i think he's uh, perfectly viable there with low touchdowns. Awesome. All right, one last question here for you, John. I kind of need you to talk me off the ledge a little bit. Um, Scott Fishbowl drafted uh, what, a few weeks ago, a month, month or more ago. But um, when I was in the first round, I ended up going with LaShawn McCoy, running back heavy scoring. Um, but since then, I've started to get nervous about my pick. Tyrod Taylor you know, is making me a little nervous. They've got concerns with him. He doesn't look great. There's been rumblings about the build the bills tanking the season like they of course traded sammy watkins um but you've got mccoy as your ppr running back three so why should uh i stop panicking here and why should owners yet to draft stand strong and take mccoy well and i i would uh talk you off the ledge by saying that i've climbed out on the ledge as well um <laughs> mccoy i felt pretty good about him i felt really good about him early in the offseason i thought that with with tyrod taylor and the healthy sammy watkins back uh, the you know the the running game there in Buffalo is real strong. Mike Gillisley, uh was signed elsewhere, so that freed up some some touches for McCoy. I still feel like he has the best chance of of these guys to finish as a number three PPR uh, running back. But certainly, uh, I've moved him down a little bit, and he's getting closer to Melvin Gordon, Devonta Freeman, and JHI and and those guys. Um, you you don't want a running back that's on a terrible team that's packing it in uh, eight games in. And we're starting to get that feeling from the Bills. I had Evan Silva on my uh, 2017 draft strategy series on the podcast, and uh, he's like, they traded away their best wide receiver and their best cornerback. And teams that are trying to win 
uh, generally don't do that. So uh, the thing that is the saving grace with McCoy is that I think he's a pro and that even if he's on a bad team, he's going to uh, put up good numbers. Uh, if they can stay competitive where they're eight and eight, then he's going to play the full season and, and do well. The worry is that they get off to like a two and six start and then the nagging injuries, you know, start to cause him to just sit out when, um, you know, when maybe he would normally play through those, uh, play through those injuries. So, um, I would say I'm a little worried about it and I'm not as confident as him, on him in the middle of the first round. I, I think I find myself taking receivers there, uh, ahead of him and he's starting to fall what to the 10th, 11th pick now, as opposed to being, you know, the fifth or sixth. And I think that's uh, due to the dependability you get with the Julio Jones, the Odell Beckham, although he's got the ankle, uh, you know, AJ Green, even Mike Thomas, Mike Evans, you, there aren't a lot of concerns with those guys. And, and that's why I think he's fallen behind those players. How far down the list of wide receivers do you go before you you're going running back again with with I guess McCoy at running back three? Uh, I would uh, have a tough time. To, I wouldn't take him over Michael Thomas. So I've got uh, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, AJ Green, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas. I think I would take all those guys for sure. And I might take Jordy Nelson over uh, McCoy as well. And and Jordy's going one uh, eleven. So. Uh, I think we're getting to the point where it just feels a lot safer to go with the receiver than 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 the running back on a, on a bad team. Awesome. Well, uh, very interesting. I, I <laughs> I'm definitely still on the ledge, but uh, but you know, great stuff there, John. And, and thanks so much for coming on. This is uh, amazing stuff as always. Everyone, make sure to follow John on Twitter at four for four underscore John. Check out all his work on the Most Accurate Podcast and at four for four dot com. Which, in addition to consistently fantastic and super accurate rankings has a lot of other really good content as well um a a really good news section over there great dfs section uh so so check out all the work at 444.com uh john thanks so much for coming on thanks for having me i love what you guys are doing at rotoviz i use the game splits tool all the time and uh i've checked out a bunch of articles in the offseason and everything so uh i'm happy to be on the podcast and uh, keep doing the great work you're doing over there Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash radio. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12th handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.